This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We humans create beauty through love, gratitude, appreciation, wonder, poetry, dancing, stillness, music. Yet, it may be that in order to be able unhesitantly to give that yes answer, we need to step outside of our human selves. Did not the sun, the wind, and the water come joyously together to produce sparkling wavelets today, as they have for uncountable years? Are not flowers continuing to open their leaves and blossoms, birds to sing, and the moon and stars to light the sky? Are not the crows and ravens still playing and tumbling above us? The world around creates a depth and breadth of beauty that is awe-inspiring in every moment, if we will only pay attention. All of life conspires to create beauty. It is our privilege, even our divine responsibility as humans, to perceive and appreciate that beauty. One of the ways that we do this is to acknowledge that this is indeed the most beautiful day of all time. Acknowledgement brings us to the place of gratitude. When we express that gratitude, we create more beauty. So as you proceed through your day and offer your gratitude for the tiny or grand examples of beauty that you see, Know that you are contributing to this most beautiful day that ever was. Valeria Tellas interviews Wes Geetz, the author of Born Whole, Heal Your Pre-Birth Trauma, Guide and Protect Your Baby from Conception to Birth. After four decades of wondering why humans were so strange, Wes Geetz got his formal start on the path of natural shamanism some 30 years ago, studying ancient survival skills, spirituality, and shamanism with Tom Brown Jr., During that period, he also worked with an Anasanabe medicine man who trained and authorized Wes to conduct traditional sweat lodge ceremonies. Wes Keats offered sweats and guided vision quests for more than 20 years. The scope of his journey has included many aspects of human existence, from working with the spirits and rocks and water, to gardening and earth-based shamanism, being in the realm of souls and learning from the entities of that domain, and expansion to experiences of near-infinite consciousness. Wes currently works as a writer and personal spiritual mentor and guide. He guides past life regressions and life between lives meditations. Wes has practiced and taught emotional freedom techniques for 25 years. He teaches the physical and spiritual skills of the shamanic path. Wes is a wanderer and sometimes a channel. He has published numerous articles on topics such as spirituality, healing, edible and medicinal plants, tracking, and coyote mentoring. And he is also a contributing author of Peak States of Consciousness, Volume 2, Acquiring Extraordinary Spiritual and Shamanic States, Grant McFedridge with Wes Geats. Three years ago, Wes published his first book, 
Born Whole, the story of healing his pre-birth emotional trauma through meditative regression to the womb. These days, Wes published a blog and newsletter of stories, observations, and occasional poetry. Book number two is in the works with the tentative title, My Name is Dancing Fire. It is the story of his ongoing journey into awareness. In 1999, Wes initiated the Firemaker Gathering, an annual week-long learning and celebration of ancient skills and community held on Vancouver Island. He is acknowledged as a storyteller and elder and as a man who embodies the qualities of patience, wisdom, compassion, and understanding. Meet Wes at windwalker.ca and firemaker.org. Here is the interview with Wes Geets. In your own words, who is Wes Gitz? Valeria, that is a wonderful question. It's very thought-provoking. I would say at a fundamental level that I'm a soul wearing a human body again. And uh, along that line of my identity, I'm, I consider myself to be an explorer of consciousness, both within and beyond the physical, and uh, an ongoing seeker of expansion on a more grounded level, I guess you might say. I, I'm a transcendent and grateful scientist, grateful for that viewpoint and training. And some people call me a shaman, uh, some call me an elder, some have called me a mystic. And I say people call me that because in the traditions I was raised in, that status has to be conferred on you by the community. And so that's how I, the context for that. I love all of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And right now, my, my roles here on this on this planet include being an author, a spiritual mentor. Um, I do shamanic work, including healing. I'm a teacher, a guide, a speaker, and I'm a partner, father, gardener, cyclist, and mm -hmm. a wanderer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All of that. Um, yes. What can I say? How did you come to these understandings, Wes, these descriptions of who you are? I, I just think of what do I love to do? What is it that really lights me up? And when I think about that, I, I come up with the kinds of words that I, that I offer to you right now. And when you become chronologically gifted enough, you have the opportunity to cover a lot of different territory. And I've had that as well. I've, I've been uh, had a spiritual consciousness from when I was very young. Uh, it was, I'm not sure what the word would be, it was conditioned, there's a nice word for it, by being raised in a fundamentalist religion. But the gift that I got from that primarily was a really beautiful understanding that there is more to life than three dimensions and linear time and five senses. And I'll be exploring those ideas and concepts and realizations in the moment. I have lots of questions for you. Good. This experience we call life, I wonder what the goal or the purpose is, if there is one, if there is this uh, an ultimate destination for it, what would that be? 
For me, there are two purposes to any life. They have to do with our being human and they have to do with the fact that we are also a spiritual being. And my experience and understanding of the spiritual aspect of it is that before we incarnate, our soul takes on some challenges, some lessons, things that it wants to learn about. For example, I may want to know what it's like to be a very unprivileged person. And perhaps I've been privileged in previous lifetimes. So I want to know what the other side of that feels like. So I might choose to be in poverty. I might choose to be um, a victim of prejudice of various kinds or have a physical handicap. And I take that on. And my purpose as a soul is to learn about the lessons of being in whatever incarnation I've chosen. Mm, There's also, yeah, thank you. There's also a human purpose. And for a lot of us, or at least in my case, it takes years to discover your human purpose. In fact, there's one um, model that I've studied with First Nations people in Canada here where you spend the really core years from about 20 to somewhere in the neighborhood of 40, just finding out what your purpose is. And uh, for a lot of folks that involves service to others, Uh, it might be in a role that is menial, it might be in a role that is magnificent. But the purpose as a human being in general is something to do with making this world a better place. Mm, And so those are those are the two purposes that I see to life. I see that most of us or the people around me, they are not conscious about their personal purpose. So I wonder if this is something that's part of the journey of their own soul's journey, not to become aware of those agreements made beforehand. Are we're talking about the soul's purpose here? Yes. Yeah, there's the the idea is that we come through what is referred to as the veil of forgetting. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and there, it's important that we don't know why we're here, that we have to try and discover it. Because if I knew that I was here, for example, to um, experience negative human emotion, particularly loneliness, then I would say, oh, OK, well, um, here I'm lonely. So now I've got that one cooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. it's like a giveaway. It's like knowing the outcome of a game before the game starts mm, right. or when you walk onto the court. So it takes a lot of the challenge and the growth opportunity out of it. For some reason, I try not to go deeper into it when it comes to the soul's journey and then ancestry and all this fascinating field of discovery, of Mm self-discovery. I don't understand exactly why, but then um, I would love to hear from you if this is something that's also part of my purpose, of the soul's purpose. Yes, absolutely. Some folks... Get, come to understand their soul's purpose. Uh, I've done that by actually going into the, the the place where I determined my purpose in this lifetime. And for other folks, those who haven't made that particular journey, and you may be one of them, your human purpose and your soul's purpose are so perfectly aligned that life feels wonderful and absolutely effortless. Yeah, right. <laughs> for a lot of us, that's not the case. For me, I've gotten there, but it has been hard work. And I think one of the transcendent things that we can do is attain our soul's purpose or work with it enough where it's kind of like, okay, that one is complete for this time around. And then integrate who you are with your human purpose or with a human purpose. It's a, it's a wonderful place to be. 
and you see people around you, even some in in menial jobs. You know, the uh, I know someone who who cleans houses and she is so good at it. And it's like this is how she serves and it's what she's here to do. And and she has integrated her soul's purpose with her human purpose in a beautiful and illuminating way. Would you say that suffering is a sign of this lack of balance or not yet integrated experiences of spirit and human experience? Not necessarily. There are people who, I'm going to use an example which is uh, not all that uncommon. Let's say that in a previous lifetime you were a very powerful person and you abused people. Um, and abuse can take so many different forms. But let's say it was it was physical cruelty and emotional cruelty. Then you die and you go back and with the help of your soul guides and others, you decide, I want to know what it felt like to or what it feels like to be abused just for the growth of my soul. So you choose, and I know this is hard for a lot of folks to swallow. It, it was for me in the beginning. You choose to be in a life where there is pain and and suffering and and then the opportunity there for you is to learn from that and the trend and to transcend that it was a choice so suffering in this sense uh, was a choice made can we unchoose <laughs> choose again throughout life during during a lifetime yeah during a lifetime not to uh, experience as much suffering or does it come when the lessons are learned you know, I've heard a phrase that I really like, and it is pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. And so you can extremely, you can endure extreme pain and choose not to suffer. Easier said than done. <laughs> so true. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so true. And how do you define spirituality these days, Wes? Oui. <laughs> I don't know. Spirituality for me is kind of an ongoing state that I'm always pursuing or course correcting back toward. It is a, a, a contact with what is beyond my physical self. And that can take so many forms. There are so many uh, belief systems, so many techniques that help us to do that. But uh, that would be my broad definition of spirituality. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Oh, absolutely. Right. <laughs> I think uh -huh, that's yeah. that's kind of a slam dunk, that <laughs> one. Yes, religion has, I think most religions began, and Christianity, of course, is the one that comes most readily to mind, with some beautiful spirituality, spiritual teachers. And then it got taken over by mostly men who were interested in using it for power over others. And so it has become, in these days, seriously distorted. And, and at the same time, I know people for whom it is uh, absolutely beautiful spirituality. So I wonder, what is the balance between... Is there a replacement for storytelling that has the intention to unite us human beings? I, I think stories are absolutely essential. They're in cultures where the traditions are oral, storytelling is what's used to pass on knowledge. And you can hide so much teaching in a story that, that has, from the point of view of the listener, it's entertaining, but they're learning all the time. And I think we need to bring back that aspect of storytelling because one person also said, sometimes people need stories more than they need food to really live. 
In poetry, Mary West is a beautiful way you write some amazing poems. Thank you. So, and I can see that, like how you're saying the truth, but in a way that's not creating division, let's say biases and bringing us to this almost tribalism. And sometimes poetry just evokes images that help us to connect with each other and with the world around us. This is, I've actually got, I was going to bring this up later, but I have a short (laughs) poem on right in front of me. May I read it? Yes, please. Yes. Okay. This is called Forever. My tears yearn for the ocean, my breath for arid mountain winds. My bones are kin with stone and soil, my hair with grass and fern and leaf. My blood is bonded with the sun through heat and living pulse and red. This body came to be, has grown, will age and then, like all, will die to rise again in waves and winds, in trees and fire and swelling fruit. I will live on through these who in their turn will die and rise and fall again. Each one's remembering, celebrating those before, empowers all to live forever. What is healing to you and what are the obstacles to healing? Well, healing is restoration of ourselves to who we truly are. That can be physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional. And a being who is fully healed, I don't know, I I think of that saying, health is more than the absence of disease. So I would say that a being who is fully healed is in the process of transcending the limitations of being human. And the obstacles to healing are, are, wow, again, wow, Um, One that comes immediately to mind is a feeling of comfort with being hurt. Like, I hurt, therefore I am. Uh, Some of it is not believing that it's possible. We live in a paradigm where the nocebo effect, when a doctor tells you you're going to die in three months, you obediently die three months later. And I, I have a really great deal of respect for allopathic medicine, but... Sometimes it goes over into areas where it shouldn't go. And one of those is the ability that we have to heal ourselves. But if we don't believe that's possible, then it's not. Whether you believe something or don't, you're right. Ah, so you know, true. True for you. Yeah, that's a, a very powerful message, empowering message to be reminded of the belief systems we have. And a lot of times I wonder, because I love this idea of um, to live in a space of curiosity, openness, and wonder. But then I feel like at times I'm caught up with the belief systems, some of them. So I wonder if if it's possible to be free from belief systems and live openly, open-hearted and open-mindedly. You know, when when I talk about being an ongoing seeker of expansion. It could be just that. I'm seeking to be able to live openly. And I get close sometimes and then I get off course. Being human is is part of that going off course all the time. But the moments of that openness, that makes me so hungry for more. And so that has led me to the path of shamanism and mysticism and writing poetry and and going going beyond those even into universal consciousness. 
but it's like, I want, I want that. I'm drawn to that. And I think we all are within our own context and limitations and belief systems. For me, that's a fundamental part of what human being human is about is that sense that freedom is possible. And I would add to that primarily that freedom is an inside job. You can be free inside when you are absolutely shackled mm. in your physical body. So you wrote the book, Born Whole, Heal Your Pre-Birth Trauma, Guide and Protect Your Baby from Conception to Birth. Mm -hmm. Talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and also the purpose of writing this book, Wes. The inspiration for that journey was actually another person. I was recruited by a man named Grant McFetridge um, because he knew about my shamanic work. And he wanted to explore the time before birth to identify trauma in order to heal that trauma and then help people achieve what is referred to as peak states. And so he just got me going on that journey, took me into meditative states. I really had no expectation, which is probably a good thing because that helped me to be completely open to the experience. Um, and the the inspiration for the book was actually my partner. I told her that story mm -hmm. and she said, have you written about that? Does anybody else know? And I said, no, because for me, it was just like, oh, I did this. But she said, you have to tell that story. And that that put me on a journey of two years of writing that book and realizing that, wow, yes, there's a lot here because I started doing research on what else has been done in the world in terms of pre-birth trauma and the journeys that I went on in that book. There is very little. And so I thought I have something I have something valuable to offer to the world. And that was the stimulation and incentive and and. Uh, What's the other word we were looking at? Anyway, that's how the book got happened. That's how the book happened. I have a question for you about the, what was the catalyst to have those experiences, to search, to be healed from the pre-birth trauma? What were the symptoms or the conditionings that you faced? I'm not sure this is entirely what you're asking, but I'll describe to you the, the process. The man whom I referred to had done a lot of work already with the, the uh, realm of the womb and pre-birth. And he knew that there were certain what he calls developmental events occurring, one being conception, another being implantation, and the third big one that I addressed was the first really hard contraction of the birth experience. And along the way, you can experience all kinds of other things because you as a fetus and your mother are so closely Uh, you're in such a close relationship that in my case, my mother didn't drink alcohol or use drugs. But had she done so, I would be fully at the effect of those with no no framework of the, within which to know that something was not right. But when my mother had a strong cup of tea, I got thoroughly jangled. Now, that's part of the ongoing state. But with regard to those developmental events, let's take conception just as an example, not dwelling on the on all of it too long. But the sperm approaches the egg, and I can tell you the sense of purpose of the sperm, because I became the sperm. And at the same time, I was outside watching what was going on. And the, there's a sense of purpose. And then when the sperm reaches and unites with the egg, for the sperm, it is a combination of ultimate fulfillment of purpose and annihilation. 
from the point of view of the egg, which is thousands of times bigger than the sperm, I watched this little sperm approaching and I knew that's the one. And I let it come into myself and it felt like fulfillment and it felt like absolute violation. And so I, what I did was I went back through those phases and I healed the negative aspects of conception and it turned into something that could be described as being like a royal wedding without mm. politics. You call it natural shamanism, although there are other methods that you also guide other people's to go through mm -hmm. to heal themselves, past life regressions, and then also life between lives meditations. Yes. And the shamanic natural shamanism. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if this is for everyone, natural shamanism is for everyone. That's my first question. And the second is, is there a different kinds of shamanism? Absolutely. Yes, there are. I have gotten some familiarity with Peruvian shamanism through my partner. And the, the beliefs that they have are different. The understandings, the experiences are different. And then there's a variety of shamanism, which I think is Mesoamerican, which is the one where uh, we talk about um, the soul retrieval and the going down into the ground in a canoe and the images associated with that. The, the kind of shamanism that I have practiced is very strongly earth-based, North American shamanism. Uh, I am very grateful to the teachers that I have had, native and non-native of that, those practices. But for me, that kind of shamanism, the one that attracts me is very much earth-based. So um, I have, as part of my learning, I have come to regard so many plants as friends because I know their gifts. I know their medicine and their food and the tools they can give us. I can listen to birds and know what they're saying to each other. I, I can track animals. I can build a fire without matches. Those, those physical skills for me keep me grounded. And then I can move into the spiritual realms and know that I've al I'm always anchored as well. So the expansion is made possible safely and comfortably for me by the, the earth-based grounded shamanic capabilities as well. You spoke briefly about plant medicine, psychedelics. Is that always part of having the shamanic experience, Wes? No, it's not. Actually, when I said plant, you know, the medicines in plants, I meant healing medicines. Oh, not psychedelics. The traditions that I have learned do not include things like ayahuasca, peyote, and some of the other um, consciousness-altering substances, nor does the shamanic path that uh, my partner has learned, although there is Shamanism in Peru includes a branch that is very much part of the ayahuasca experience in particular. But for me, um, the, the meditative states that I've learned to move into are so much more beautiful. They're more permanent and they are just more real than any plant medicine. I've done my share of, of that stuff. Never done ayahuasca, but I've done a number of others. And for me, it's always been a little bit like, oh, is that all that's about? Because of the other powerful experiences that I've had on my own path. And I have heard that from therapists, actually. I, I don't know, you probably have heard about psychedelic integration therapy. Yes. They do that, but some of the therapists that I have interviewed, they believe it's not necessary. They say the same thing. Um, not, it's not for everyone. I think not for everyone is a really good way of describing it because there, there are also many stories of people who achieve wonderful breakthroughs. I wouldn't call them necessarily 
healings, but breakthroughs into a new way of seeing things that then lays the groundwork for true healing. Yeah. Using psychedelics. So it goes back to this idea that there's not just one path, right? Uh, nature That's is true. diverse and it's so rich with so many kinds of paths and experiences. It's just an incredible journey, I would say. I know I use that word too, but I don't believe in destination. For some reason, that kind of got lost along the way. Now, um, I mm. actually have on my website too that the journey, the destination is within you. It's you already. Yeah. And there's no end to that. I had an experience yesterday that blew my mind when I was on a, on a, on a new meditative journey. And I, I've also heard that yeah. one, of the, one of the most disappointing things that can ever happen to you is that you achieve all your dreams. Ah, yeah. So then, so, and so yeah. what now? Um, what else yeah, what to now? do? So true. We don't want that to happen in a way. Yeah. But life, it's so generous and so, ah, it's incredible, isn't it? Just when um, we, we stop to reflect about that, it's almost this uh, active meditation of contemplation of what this is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, you could just, you could, I can go outside and look at something and stand there <laughs> awestruck for <laughs> entirely too long. Uh, yeah, that's right. Lose track of time. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a um, passage yeah, in your book where you talk about beauty. Born whole, the book. Mm-hmm. You say, all of life conspires to create beauty. It is our privilege, even our divine responsibility as humans, to perceive and appreciate that beauty. One of the ways that we can do this is to acknowledge that this is indeed the most beautiful day of all time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love the way you write this. I mean, you express with words the what I call the truth in such a beautiful, graceful way. <laughs> you, you say acknowledgement brings us to place of gratitude, which is another graceful practice or maybe state of being that I can think of. Mm-hmm. When we express that gratitude, we create more beauty. So as you proceed through your day and offer your gratitude for the tiny or grand examples of beauty that you see, know that you are contributing to this most beautiful day that ever was. Mm-hmm. I have that as the introduction too, because I, I fell in love with it. <laughs> Well, that's that's very sweet. Thank you. That's so graceful. It's it's this, uh, it's life, isn't it? Because your life just dancing, doing what it does. It's amazing. So you are also writing a second book. The working title is "My Name Is Dancing Fire." Talk to me for a moment about that, Wes. Yes, the uh, this book is essentially a description of my journey, and um, my intention is to tell my story and then offer also, perhaps in a separate book, ideas for people who want to have their own journey and can learn from what I've learned. That's that's essentially it, and I'm hoping that there might be some wisdom in there that that is just. Um, makes people feel good, expands their consciousness without necessarily them wanting to get onto the same path that I've followed. Mm, right. Do you have a date, a release date? I don't. 
Um, okay. I, <laughs> let me uh, know. <laughs> I know I do not. I, I should, to be honest, I do not. Yeah. yeah, please let me know when it comes out. I'll have on your podcast profile My too pleasure. as a second book. And then you also offer some FireMaker gatherings. Oh, yeah, talk to yes. me about that. That sounds like fun. I initiated the fire gathering 23 years ago um, because I'd been invited to go to somewhat of what are called or were at the time called primitive skills gathering gatherings where instructors would teach people how to do things like make fire without matches, read the tracks of animals and humans, make things, um, you know, things like pine needle baskets and, and tanning hides and all of the, the things that our ancestors knew how to do. And this is pre-Iron Age. So this is Stone Age technology. And I just thought I need to bring people together to, to start learning those things. And I had been to primitive skills gatherings and I invited the instructors there to say, would you come to where I live to do this? And they said, absolutely. I love that part of the world. And then a few days, years in, a few years in, I realized that we were doing more than just teaching skills to people. We were creating a community. And so I started incorporating more deliberate ideas about doing that that are also based on models that have been developed over centuries by um, the people who still live close to the earth. And so eventually we had to cap that at um, 200 people. And of course, there's been a hiatus with the, with, with the pandemic, but uh, with a little bit of good fortune, it'll start up again this year. And to... Access more information about these gatherings and also to work with you as a guide. What is the best way to do that? For the FireMaker gathering, it is firemaker.org. And to get in touch with me, my website is windwalker.ca. Yes, I have this website here. It will be on your podcast profile too. I'll have the other one, the FireMaker 2, for the gatherings. Please send it to me, Wes. I don't have that website. Okay, my pleasure. We're almost at the end, and I wanted to mention that another a poem that I really caught my attention to, that's part of your book, Born Whole, is Semantics. That also oh, it's really interesting because you talk about the idea that we try to describe the divine, and then the way you say it too divine, the one source, great mystery, and all those other words are about what can be experienced, not described. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, well, perhaps even not believed in, right? It's not a belief, it's not part of belief systems. Yes, so I, I distinguish between belief and a knowing. Mm. There is There yeah. are belief systems, and then there's a knowing, which is entirely internal, that can't be taken away from you. Right. Some of the metaphors I have heard that really kind of caught my attention to is the, the silence. Silence is always here while all the noise and everything else happens at mm -hmm. the same time. So it's like it kind of makes me think about that. The source, God, divine within ourselves, it's always here, although everything mm -hmm. else is happening. That does silence. Happen. Silence is the sound of the creator. Mm, yeah. It has to be because the creator made a sound. It would drown everything else out. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, hmm. What do you love most about being in a human body? The variety of experience and the intensity of that experience. It's just, it, this is so rich. This is considered to be one of the densest of places to exist. 
uh, in the realm of from the realm of souls and it is just so amazing to be here to have this body that has all of these wonderful senses and colors around us um, I, I just love all of that. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Well, I would say to have a complete experience of union with the natural world. Another one is to know the love that exists for us from beyond this physical realm. And the third one is to have that sense of purpose that makes life deeply meaningful. Thank you so much, Wes, for being you, being open to life, being life itself and doing what it does and knowing that. Also for the wisdom that you share in this reality and the work you do. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Valeria, for being who you are. We'll talk soon. I'll have your website address on, on your podcast profile. And thank you again, and we'll talk soon, Wes. Okay, Take thank you. Care. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yes, we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Wes Geats and his work, please visit windwalker.ca and firemaker.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>